Thank you for joining us on the Salem Alliance Church Podcast. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit us at salemalliance.org. This week's message is by Steve Fowler. Hey, we're starting a new series next weekend. We're going to start a series on the book of Jude called Stand Up Faith. We've got groups that are going to be starting. You'll, you'll hear about that as well. Uh, we'll do the book of Jude for uh, four weeks, and then we're going to study the book of Esther together. So just a little future cast for you about what's coming down the road. But today, we're going to do something different. We're going to just begin this new year um, talking about an invitation that, uh, that we, we sense God is inviting us into this new year with, a new prayer season uh, that, we, that we, we hear God speaking to us about that you're going to hear about and it's gonna be a little bit different today because i'm i'm gonna do the front half of the talk and then laura's gonna come and she's gonna clean up after me she's gonna do the second half of the talk and um and so we're gonna we're gonna share this 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 time of this uh, this invitation we sense god has for us as a church um, you probably have things in your life where you feel very uh, confident in, maybe uh, skill sets you have or abilities that you have, and you have an approach that has always worked. You do it this way, you know how to do it, it's always been successful, and, uh, and so you just engage in that way, and, um, and, and it's worked. But you're also probably someone who's been around long enough where you realize, you know, that sometimes the way you're doing something worked and then it stops working. It, it's a bit confounding. It's like, well, okay, why, why is that not working? It's always worked for me. Why is it not working anymore? Perhaps you're a parent and you're used to communicating to your kids, their kids when they're younger and, and, you're, and you're saying something and, and they get it, they hear, they obey and, and, uh, and then the, the kids are growing and you're still using those same communication patterns but it feels like it's falling on deaf ears. The way you communicate in the past worked but nah, it's not working now. Or you're, you're in marketing uh, and you're used to marketing products a certain way and, and it's always worked. Sales is always, it's, it's, you've always performed in that way, but now you're realizing that, you know, the world is changing and people, yeah, they're concerned about a low price, but they're also concerned about, you know, is, is it local? Was this made in some sweatshop somewhere where people were oppressed and people are asking different questions and what worked before isn't working anymore? Maybe you're a teacher. And your style of teaching, of lecturing for 45 minutes, that worked very well some years ago. But, but now as you teach, you're realizing that attention spans, they aren't quite what they used to be. And, uh, and, and students aren't learning in the same way or as quickly as you had at hoped. Uh, maybe you're, you, you fish in that number 16 rainbow warrior and that one stretch of rivers always worked for you. And you're out there fishing it again and yet a trout's not giving it a second look. What worked before very well is no longer working. And my guess is that at some point in your life, if you haven't already, you'll, you'll have one of those experiences. And when you do, what typically, what you feel is a sense of, of eroding confidence. Like, God, what, what's, what's going on here? What, what, why, why is this not working? And this happens in our spiritual lives as well. In fact, when Jesus was discipling those first followers, they had moments of great success, and then they had moments where they were scratching their head wondering, what, why, why, is this, why isn't this working? Why is, why is this breakthrough not happening? Jesus' disciples, like nobody else, he's inviting those first followers to come with them, and they, just watch what I'm doing, he's saying. Just, just watch. And, and after a period of observing Jesus, then Jesus invites those disciples then to do ministry with him. But then comes that moment where he sort of, Jesus sort of pushes them out of the nest, so to speak. 
Uh, Rob Basham talked about this last week, that uh, our faith is not merely intellectual, that at some point, actually, it involves our, our, a response from us. Um, and, uh, and, and Jesus, with his disciples, comes to this moment where he says, I'm going to send you out now. You're going to do it. I'm going to, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to breathe on you, my spirit. And I want you to go and preach the good news of the kingdom of heaven. I want you to heal the sick, and I want you to cast out demons. And I'm sure those 70, 72 disciples, when they went out, were feeling a little bit apprehensive about doing this on their own without Jesus. But they go out, and they do it. And it's amazing. And they are so excited and so full of joy when they come back. Luke and his gospel captures the moment. It says, when the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. Yes, he told them. I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Oh, it's a good day when Satan's getting licked. And the disciples are happy. And Jesus is happy. In fact, in one of the Gospels, it says he's full of joy. This is a good moment. You've been there. You've had those moments where you've seen God work in in incredible ways. Yet, a little bit further along in this discipleship journey, the disciples are going to be confounded. Because what worked once was no longer working. If you've got your Bibles, go to Mark chapter 9. I want to read this passage where we see this happen, where disciples who were once so excited about the breakthrough they were experiencing were now confused. A little context for you from Mark chapter 9. Jesus has been on the mountain with his three best friends, Peter, James, and John. This is the Mount of Transfiguration. Uh, If you don't know that story, uh, the presence of God comes on Jesus. His body is glorified. Uh, It's it's a high moment. Uh, Peter, James, and John, they they don't want to leave. But while they're up on the mountain, the other nine disciples are at the base of the mountain. And they're in a bit of a pickle. There's religious infighting. There's a distraught father who has a demonized son. And these disciples, uh, what, what worked before is no longer working. Let me read this to us from Mark 9, beginning in verse 14. Uh, When they returned to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd surrounding them, and some teachers of religious law were arguing with them. When the crowd saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with awe, and they ran to greet him. What is all this arguing about, Jesus asked. And one of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, Teacher, I brought my son so you could heal him. He is possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. And whenever this spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground. Then he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit, but they couldn't do it. Jesus said to them, you faithless people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought the boy. But when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into a violent convulsion, and he fell to the ground, writhing and foaming at the mouth. How long has this been happening? Jesus asked the boy's father. He replied, since he was a little boy. The spirit often throws him into the fire or into the water, trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. What do you mean, if I can, Jesus asked. Anything is possible if a person believes. The father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the crowd of onlookers was growing, he rebuked the evil spirit. Listen, you spirit that makes this boy unable to hear and speak, he said. 
I command you to come out of this child and never enter him again. And the spirit screamed and threw the boy into another violent convulsion and left him. The boy appeared to be dead. Murmur ran through the crowd as people said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and helped him to his feet and he stood up. Afterward, when Jesus was alone in the house with his disciples, they asked him, why couldn't we cast out this evil spirit? And Jesus replied, this kind can be cast out only by prayer. This is God's holy word. The disciples had seen great success, such ministry success that they were overflowing with joy. And they were happy to report it to their rabbi Jesus. But here they are in a situation where what, what worked before is no longer working. And if you've ever found yourself in one of those situations where the confidence begins to erode and you start to ask yourself questions like, what, what am I doing wrong? And how, how come this isn't working like it was working before? And, you know, well, what's happening? Maybe I'm not saying things right. Maybe I just need to talk a little louder and shout a little louder and maybe that demon will come out. But, but what, what, what's going on here? And as confidence is eroding, as Jesus steps into the situation, they hear him say, this kind of situation, this kind of, of evil spirit can only come out by prayer. This breakthrough that you're longing for, this hurdle, this obstacle that's in front of you can only be defeated by, by, um, by being someone of, of, of prayer. And what Jesus is getting at is, you know, there are some situations that you face that, that, that require a deeper dependence on God. That the, really the principle here is that the reality of spiritual battle that you and I find ourselves in demands greater dependence. It, it, it demands dependence. That there are some situations right now that you're longing to see God move in and you've been asking, you've been praying, or you've been quoting scripture. Jesus, you say, if I say anything in, in your name, you'll do it. And, and I'm praying and it's not happening. And what, what's going on here? And that's the question the disciples were asking back in Mark chapter 9. They saw great success early on. I don't know if you ever noticed this, but you know, when you first give your life to Christ, it seems like any prayer you pray, it just, God answers it. It's like, this is so easy. And you continue walking with Jesus and you realize, you know what? Um, I'm not seeing the breakthrough that I saw early on in my journey. And did I do something wrong? Did Did I mess up in some way? Because what worked before is no longer working. You see, Jesus, he comes down that, that mountain and he encounters four groups of people. He encounters disputing Pharisees. There's religious infighting. There's a theological argument taking place between the disciples and the Pharisees about this situation. He also encounters a discouraged father. You could say a distraught father. Because here's this young boy from a very young age who's been tormented by an evil spirit. And of course, there's the demonized boy. And then there's the defeated disciples. Why? Why is Jesus not breaking through? And friends, I I have good news for you. Jesus still comes down the mountain, and what he does is he silences the fighting and the disputes. He encourages the discouraged, the distraught. He delivers the demonized. And he raises the bar of faith. For his disciples. And he at the same time. Invites us in. 
to a greater dependence on him. And really, as we begin 2020, this is what we want to talk to you about, that we believe that the Spirit of God is inviting us into a season of prayer in which we could demonstrate, we, we, could, we could live in greater dependence upon our Christ. Because, friends, the fact of the matter is the spiritual climate in our world is changing. Uh, tensions running at all, all at all time high. Uh, there's oppression and, and suffering, and and there's such a need for Jesus to break through. And I believe that Jesus is inviting us as a church to express that greater dependence upon Him. And gee, you're gonna you're gonna see this and hear this uh, when Laura comes here shortly. That Jesus was someone who depended upon the Father greatly. He was someone who he he only spoke when the Father was speaking. He he it just flowed from his relationship with the Father. And when he says this kind is only broken through, this kind is only, only overcome through prayer, he's inviting us to depend on him at, at new levels, at deeper levels. And what he's calling us to is to express a greater commitment to the interior life. I mean, think about it for a moment. Think about 2019 and your own quiet time, your own secret time with God. What's that look like in the past? Don't, don't go to a place of condemnation. Or, or, or guilt, just what's that look like? And, and realize that Jesus is inviting you. In fact, the question that was it's on the screen here, what does your interior life with Jesus look like? As you think about that, hear the invitation, the kind invitation from Jesus to say, depend on me because the situations you're facing will only be overcome through prayer. I invite Lord to come and talk to us more about that. Cleanup time, huh? I want to dive back into the story and bring it into the here and the now, Salem, Oregon, 2020. And imagine with me the eternal Christ walking down the mountainside into our world. And as he does, he hears the arguments. He hears the disputes that we have with each other and with culture. He hears them. As he walks down the mountainside, he looks at Salem and he sees the discouraged, the sick, the demonized among us. He walks into our world and he knows fully and understands fully the spiritual climate that you and I are living in. And so we get to ask him, Jesus, the things that have been working aren't working anymore. Why? And I want us to listen once more to his response to the disciples. He says, this one can be cast out only by prayer. When I listen to Jesus' response, I'm a bit frustrated. I'm, I'm thinking this is kind of a duh moment. Like Jesus is stating the obvious. If I were one of the disciples, I'd be thinking, Jesus, what, are you, what did you think we were doing? Of course, demons only come out by prayer. You're the one who taught us how to do this. So give us something more, Jesus. What do we do about this? Isn't it our natural response when something's no longer working to figure out what to do about it? Go to school to learn a new skill or strategy, read a book on the topic, upgrade the equipment, buy the new fly for the rod. But Jesus doesn't seem to be giving them these kinds of practical solutions or answers. This is Jesus, the king of one-liners. This is Rabbi Jesus, whose teaching methods require that his students lean in and ask some questions, dig in to explore and discover what is the deeper meaning behind this seemingly simple and obvious response of Jesus. 
And when we enter into the classroom of Rabbi Jesus, we learn not just by listening to his words, but by watching his life. And as we do, clues emerge and bubble up. As we watch the rhythms and the patterns of Jesus' everyday life, we can see that Jesus' life was saturated in prayer. And as a result, Jesus' life was marked by the presence of God. Now, you might be thinking this second statement is another one of those duh moments of, of course, Jesus' life is marked by the presence of God. He is God. But I'm not really referring to his divinity. I'm referring to the flesh and blood Jesus, who in his everyday life would carve out time to be with God. Let's take a look at some examples here. In Luke 5, the report of his power spread even faster. Vast crowds came to hear him preach and to be healed of their diseases. But Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. Before daybreak, the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. Later, Simon and the others went out to find him. When they found him, they said, everyone is looking for you. One day, soon afterward, Jesus went up on a mountain to pray, and he prayed to God all night. Just a couple of examples of over and over again in the gospel writings, we see that that Jesus is surrounded by crowds. He's teaching, healing in high demand, and it's often at these most inopportune of moments that Jesus steps away to seek the presence. Starting his day in the presence, his evening, and maybe all night in the presence, Jesus was one who nurtured and protected his interior life. And in fact, he said that his life was marked and guided by the presence. Everything he said and did, listen to his words. So Jesus explained, I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him everything he is doing. I believe that in this story, what we're hearing from Jesus is a calling of the disciples to deepen the interior life, a calling into this lifestyle of prayer with Jesus. I do not believe that Jesus is challenging them to find more words, the right words, a strategy or a method of prayer that would then give them the power to cast out this demon. I think he's inviting them into the deeper life so that even this kind of demon would recognize and have to respond to a person whose life is saturated in prayer and marked by the presence. Jesus had just come off the mountain where he'd encountered God himself, and this is what the demon encountered in Jesus. So today we ask Jesus, why are the things that have been working not working? We desire here in Salem to see people saved, healed, delivered. We desire for our city to be at peace with God, and it is not. Jesus, what do we do? Like many of you, your leaders here at Salem Alliance have been asking these kinds of questions. And as we lean in to hear from Jesus, we hear the invitation to deepen the interior life, to greater levels of dependence that can only be nurtured and developed with the lifestyle of prayer. And so this weekend we are launching a church-wide season of prayer. It starts right now today and goes until Pentecost in May. We want to invite everyone to be a people of prayer in this new year. 
We're, causing, we're calling the season of prayer the three pauses, three intentional times in our day where we stop what we're doing in order to seek the presence. So today, I want to walk us through these three pauses. I'm going to give us some suggestions and some tools. And if you are a note taker, please don't worry. I'm going to give you a piece of paper as you walk out that gives you all of this information and more. So let's just talk through these three pauses and what they can look like. The first one is is at the beginning of the day, as we start our day inviting deeper and deeper intimacy with God. A simple statement, God, I want to know you. Will you reveal yourself more deeply to me? We pause from even the preparations of a day to seek the presence and to start the day and go into the day knowing who we are as children of God and more and more knowing who he is, like Jeff said, as our good, good father. A pause at the beginning of the day. Second pause is in the middle of the day. It's called incarnational. Jesus, I want others to know you. Will you shine through me so those around me are drawn to you? A pause in the middle of the day that I predict will be the hardest pause for many of us because it's not natural or convenient to stop in the middle of the day. I also predict that it could be one of the most powerful and meaningful pauses for us as we develop a new discipline as we follow in the ways of Jesus and step away for a moment from the people, the needs, the appointments, as we remember and recognize Christ in us for the sake of others, Christ in us for the sake of those we work with, those we live with, live next to, Christ in us for the sake of the people that we share a city called Salem with. Last weekend, Rob Basham said it well. He said, church, we carry Christ with us wherever we step. As I've been attempting to practice these pauses over the last couple of weeks and months, I will admit this pause is the very hardest for me. I like to get going in my day and I do not want to stop. And it's actually sort of uh, uh, exposing some of my uh, addictions to productivity, to the love and desire of getting things done, to this constant activity and hurry. And so I look forward to the accountability that doing this together in community will bring to us as we learn this new discipline of pausing in the middle of the day to seek the presence. Our third pause is called intercession. Jesus, I have personal longings and concerns. Will you hear my, hear my heart and respond to my requests? As we pause at the end of the day to look back over the events, the people, the conversations of the day, We get to bring our requests to God, the God who's been with us in every moment. Three pauses throughout the day to seek the presence. Years ago, when my son Travis was at the age where parents, for some reason, think it's a good idea to have birthday parties at Chuck E. Cheese, uh, we were at one of these parties, and Travis was taking advantage of everything that Chuck E. Cheese has to offer. And he did this by running the entire time, from game to game, from play structure to play structure. He is running as fast as he can, and he is working up this incredible sweat. So I'm doing my job as a mom, making sure I know where he's at. And at one point, I see him begin to run from the game room to the play structure. And on his path, in the middle of the path, is this table with no one currently seated there but four cups of freshly poured cold soda. And as he rounds the corner, he stops real quick. He grabs one, he takes a big chug, and he just keeps going on his way. (laughs) 
I was a little embarrassed. Uh, I actually never told these people about this, but um, he, he had never, he not paused long enough to think, is this our table? Is this our sodas? And of course it wasn't. As I look at how many of us live our lives, I see us running so hard and so fast that we only take time to take that quick drink. And sometimes it's not ours. It's somebody else's spiritual insight or experience. I'll listen to that podcast on the way to work. I'll call a friend for some quick advice. I'll do that internet search that's going to give me some answers and maybe even some scriptures. And we're running so hard and fast that we don't pause long enough to see that there's actually a table that's been set just for us. On it is a spiritual feast. Seated at the table is Jesus saying, come, come eat with me. I am your bread of life. I am your living water. I love to feed you and satisfy your hunger and thirst. Come be with me. Many of us need to learn to pause in the presence, even and especially in the middle of our very busy days. And as we do learn to pause, we'll get to go back into our day, back into our spheres of influence as people who are well-fed, well-loved, and saturated in the presence. I look forward to learning how to pause with you and be a person of the presence in our world. Today, I want to just give us a couple of suggestions and tools as we engage in this season of prayer together. And my first suggestion for us is that we put these pauses on our calendar. I know for me, I've been putting it on my calendar just like any other appointment or reminder. And there's a a reminder that pops up on my phone. And there's no other way for me that this is going to happen other than to schedule it. I suggest uh, pauses of 15 minutes. And for some of us, that sounds a bit short, and some of us, it sounds very long. And so you may want to start with two minutes and add as you go, as you exercise this new spiritual muscle. But let's put these in our schedule. Second suggestion comes directly as a response to Rob's message last week, and it's let's get creative with how we engage with these, these pauses. Let's engage all of the senses as we seek the presence of God couple of ideas for you. If, if you're artistic, write, draw, paint, sing, or dance in the presence. Uh, do one of the pauses with family and friends over a meal to taste and see that the Lord is good. Light a candle as a symbol of Christ's presence with you in your office, in your home. Go on a walk, a prayer walk around your neighborhood, your school, your workplace. Invite Christ to expand our senses as we behold him. Third suggestion, let's make sure that these pauses are true pauses, not something else to do, but the ceasing of doing, waiting on the Lord, a listening posture, a quieting of our spirits. I want to offer some tools and resources that will be available from today until May. First one is that piece of paper I told you about. It's a prompt. We're going to provide a series of prompts, just some simple meditations and ideas on how to engage with these pauses. And every two weeks, we'll provide a new series of prompts for you. Uh, Today, they're available as you walk out. Uh, From now on, they will be available in the lobby as well as online. So look for those prompts to guide us. Second resource I'm pretty excited about. It is specific to the midday pause, and we're going to be making communion available here at the church every weekday 
from 11 to 1. So if you're able to get away on your lunch break, come to the church here in the worship center. Communion will be right here where you can taste and see that the Lord is good. Take the bread, dip it in the cup. Remember his body broken for you, his blood poured out for you and for the sake of others. Third resource, you're going to notice next weekend in the lobby, there's going to be two places out there where we can share what we're hearing, what we're experiencing. We're doing this together, so we want to know, what is God saying to you? And so there'll be a place to just kind of write some of those thoughts and for us to read each other's experiences. And then the last resource, I want to remind you of the upper room. It's fourth floor Broadway. It is a place of prayer. It is a great place to pause. The prompts will be available there as well as the mural. It'll be connected to these three pauses. Church, as we recognize some of the things that used to work that are no longer working, we get to lean into Jesus and say, why? What do we do? In our personal lives, in our church life, in our city, in our culture, Jesus, what's your invitation to us? And we hear him calling us to the deeper life, to be people of the presence. Let's join in this new year together. Thank you for joining us on the Salem Alliance Church Podcast. We are a community of believers located in downtown Salem, Oregon, and we are passionate about our city being a city at peace with God. If you have a request that we could pray for, please email us at prayers at salemalliance.org. If you'd like more information about this podcast or other resources, please visit us at salemalliance.org.